Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey guys, we have a great episode. Bill from Mastodon, Michael from Striper and Sunbomb, and Snake from Skid Row. Wow. It still blows me away that these people want to talk to me and talk to John after all these years. It is awesome. So this is basically the audio from our live show that took place last Thursday evening. Big thanks to everyone who helped out on the live show. That, of course, would be Marcy and JP and Michael and Sophia and Andrew and the whole team that help us put together those live shows. You can also see a video of this up on our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash talking metal. So before we get into the episode, I do want to thank the patrons, the people that support me on Patreon. I'm going to do that. And I also want to thank Dash Vodka. Dash Vodka is where it's at, guys. So again, this is the audio version of the last Talking Metal live stream. Big thanks to everyone who supports me on Patreon, including... Steve Hoker, Mike Jones, Steven Saylor, Dan Gerwan, Metal Dan, Brad Dahl, Jean-Francois Blah, Chris Riley, James Bennett, Matt Carroll, Michael Street, Ron Keel, Fred Rutz, David Gray, Jason Seth, Jerry from Long Island, Drake, Tommy Anderson, Sam Soupy, Joe Ryan, Leo from Alaska, John Bovari, Steven Rodriguez, Henry Reeves, Jeremy Weltman, Andrew Miller, Denny Striegel, Jerry from Salt Lake City, Kenny McCrimmon, Gregory Muse, Johan Enderstrom, Sean Richmond, Mario Charantz, Glenn Watson, Joe Von Cherry, Victor Guzman, Anthony Mackey, Gene Eugene DX, Hogni Jacobson, John Simpson, Brad Saban, John Barron, Blue Walsh 21, and Ed Ferguson. You guys rock. You guys support. You guys are awesome. Thank you for everything you've done for me and this show, Talking Metal. Let's get into the episode. All right. Mark Striegel. How are you, John? I'm doing great. How are you? I am good. I am good. We have some great guests going on tonight. Uh, My phone rings right as we start the show. Um, Yeah, we got a great show tonight. We have three amazing guitarists and musicians one who's also a lead vocalist. We've got Dave the Snake Sable from Skid Row. We've got Amazing. Michael Sweet, of course, from Striper, and he has a new project called Sun Bomb. And we've got Bill Kelleher from the Mighty Mastodon. 
and we have always ready to go dash vodka big shout out to hank who's now a supporter on my patreon page so i I appreciate that hank and hank this is the best vodka out there i've sworn to the listeners john that you get less of a hangover when you drink correct dash and i believe that's because it's like seven times distilled and it's just so high end uh, the greatest vodka in the united states on the planet for that matter hopefully coming no to about it. all 50 states at some point soon look at this custom made cup that hank actually personally made for me wow it's awesome it's awesome yeah that's awesome too that's great yeah that is great. i've got a, a lime in this so i'm, I'm really going all out here I, i've got it on a silver platter along with a full bottle of dash just in case i need to get it going a little bit kick it up a notch as they say down in uh, right on new orleans right on so we're going to get right into our interview in just a few minutes with dave the snake sabo of skid row fame and he's got an incredible kramer guitar that i cannot wait to hear about uh as well as getting an update on uh skid row but let's talk to you real quickly what is the ace update john uh, so the Ace Friendly update is that we are working very hard on a state-of-the-art yet vintage recording studio. And I'm talking a real recording studio, not not like a, a guy who has uh, Pro Tools on his MacBook. This is a full-on recording studio, and uh, we've been working nonstop on it. And uh, I'm really psyched because I, I can honestly say that I've I've helped with the construction of this, you know, multi-room studio. So it's going to be really, really cool when it's done. And uh, you're going to hear music coming, new music from Ace Frilly coming out of that studio. And you, and I suspect that you're going to hear new music from some other artists coming out of the studio too. So Ace would essentially either produce or let other artists come there and record? I have a feeling that that's going to happen. It's n- nothing that's been announced or, or really anything yet or talked about. But uh, I, I kind of got the vibe that that's something that Ace, you know, would love to do in the future. That That is very cool. Very cool. And is it like it's a big studio? Like you can record drums there? It's, it has. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like a full on studio. Multiple rooms, uh, drum rooms, uh, you know, uh, video rooms, multiple you know, editing suite type desks, like the kind that you'll see like at uh, Bionic or one of these studios, you know, that kind of a thing. Right. Very cool. Very kind cool. of like a mini awesome. Bionic for honestly, but with a drum room and, you know, the ability to put a full band in there and play live, you know, live drums, you know, you could record a whole band live in there. Awesome. Multiple cool. We're rooms. Get in- We're going to get into our interview with Dave. In just one or two minutes here, I do want to remind everybody that they can connect with us online uh, at your Facebook page, at our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash Talking Metal. We also have all the podcast versions of this show and just the plain old audio podcast at TalkingMetal.com. And you can get those now on Spotify, iHeart. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, we're all over the place. So, um, no that's, doubt about uh, it. Stay subscribed to the podcast for sure. Yeah, multi platform. Mark, how are you? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, staying busy. We are posting a lot of great interviews lately Tracy Guns, uh, Paul Stanley, 
Um, Ronnie Romero, who plays with Richie Blackmore and Rainbow, as well as a bunch of other Bandenberg and a bunch of uh, Michael Shanker, a bunch of other bands. So really uh, just kind of just hitting a lot of uh, great interviews lately. We have Jeff Tate coming up, hopefully. So really some great names. Mickey D was on, Rudy Sarzo. Nice. This is all like within the last two weeks. So it really amazing, fun stuff. And tonight, again, three more just incredible guests. Let's run down no the guests and get right into the first interview. John, tell us once again who's on the show tonight. So we've got we're going to start out with our friend Dave the Snake Sabo of Skid Row. And uh, then up next is Michael Sweet from Striper and Sunbomb. And then rounding out the show will be Bill Kelleher of Mastodon. Excellent. Cool. So, guys, when we're ready, you can you can send uh, Dave on in and we will we will start talking with Dave. I'm pulling up some notes here. Dave, how are you? Hey, guys, how are you? Great. To we see are you, great. Dave. Dave. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Please Dave, call I me Please call okay, me Snake whenever call anybody snake. calls. Yeah, whenever anybody calls me Dave, I feel like I'm in trouble. Okay, okay, Snake. So, Snake, the last time that I saw you was in summer of 2019 in Huntington, Long Island, at the Ace Fraley show, and you got up on stage and played Snowblind. What an absolute uh, joy and privilege it was. As everybody, I've made it very clear throughout my like 35 years of being in a band that Ace is one of my hugest influences and Kiss is one of the biggest influences on Skid Row. And so to get that opportunity to get up there and play one of my favorite Ace Freely songs was just uh, extremely humbling. And if you remember, I was bowing to him through for like five minutes before we could even play the song <laughs> because <laughs> it's just, that was great. He's the guy that I would sit in front of a mirror and pretend to be when I was 16 years old. Uh, and he was played such a huge part in my upbringing as a guitar player. And then consistently throughout that, uh, when we formed Skid Row and, and we're writing for Skid Row, his influences are all over all of our records, as is, you know, uh, the rest of Kiss. Uh, but I love the guy. He's been nothing but just the kindest person to me. And so I'm excited about his studio. I had heard about it. And uh, I guess you guys are going to be doing it in Jersey. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have to. Are you in Jersey still or are you, have you moved down to Nashville? No, I'm in Long Island. I can't leave the East oh. Coast. Good. Well, I'm glad you're still here. So you can, you can come. It's not going to be that far. No, I'll definitely go. Are you kidding me? I'm I'm in. Okay. Nice. Nice. So so Dave, we originally booked the interview for you to come on and talk about something really, really cool. Uh one of my first guitars as a kid was a Kramer Pacer. And I'm so excited that you are working with Gibson now that who owns Kramer to bring right. back this great brand that just meant so much to me and my rock and roll upbringing and you and Tracy guns have introduced signature models. And I am just so excited to, because I knew Gibson bought the rights, I guess, or the, the brand get uh, Kramer a while ago, but they hadn't really done anything with it. And now you guys right. are working with them and let's just talk about 
let's go right into the the guitar itself. It's Snake Sabo Beretta. I love it. I love it. Tell us about the guitar and how this came about. Well, well this came about. This whole thing started in 1985. Um, I was working at a music store in Tom's River, New Jersey, which is where. Uh, I met Rachel, and that was the basically the beginning of the band. Um, but in 85, uh, I had an idea for a guitar, like a crazy-ass paint job on it, and I wanted to make it really simple. Uh, I wanted a thin neck, thin frets, uh, reverse headstock, uh, very simple body design, and I wanted to have a Floyd Rose on it. And so... When I had the idea for the for the artwork on it, uh, there was a gentleman I worked with who was the manager of the music store, a guy by the name of Paul Unkert, who used to also build guitars there. And so we decided that we were going to build this guitar here. Now, at the same time, Kramer's only right down the road in Neptune, New Jersey. Uh, and the Bon Jovi guys had been working with them. And so uh, I was very familiar with their they were like in our backyard. So I was very familiar with, with their different products. And um, then I found out through Paul Unker and through Rachel's brother about an airbrush artist in uh, down in that area who did like vans and hot rods and stuff like that. And so I presented the idea, like just my idea up here. I'm not an artist uh, by any stretch. So he uh, came up with this design and I'm like, there's no way that is just too killer, you know, for like for a 20 year old kid, that's like amazing. And then he put it on the guitar body and I was like, this is out of control. So we put the guitar together at the music store and it was good. It was, uh, it was cool and it worked. And, and uh, I guess we did as good a job as we could at that point. And then we got introduced to the Kramer folks through the Bon Jovi guys and became very close with them. And they were just amazing. They welcomed, the, welcomed us into their family as if they had known us forever. And they took really great pride that we were a Jersey band. And they were, you know, we rehearsed in a garage. We played all the local dives uh, just because of our friendships with the Bon Jovi guys and other people in the area. We weren't given anything, you know, we had to work for everything. And so they saw the band and, and they were like, well, let's, you know, or they heard some of the demos, if I'm not mistaken. And they were like, let's see if we can work together. And we were like, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. So they started hooking us up with some guitars. And I said, well, I have this snake guitar. And they're like, let's take a look at it. And they totally kind of revamped it with the exception of the Beretta body. Um it was a warmth body, but it specked up to the to the Beretta. Um, but we kept the warmth body, and then everything else on it became Kramer, and they set it up, and it just played and sounded amazing, and that played a huge part in our first two records and our first, you know, uh, two world tours or more than two world tours, I should say. And then as as time got on. We uh, Kramer started kind of going uh, downhill a little bit and they weren't as prominent as they were. And so they started cutting back a little bit and uh, we all remained friends, but we it was unanimously decided that we would, you know, 
go down and see what else is out there that maybe might fit our needs uh, at this particular point. And so through many years of going through different guitar companies and loving all of them and having great experiences with everybody, uh, it turns out about three years ago, well, actually even longer than that, when I was in L.A., living in L.A., uh, managing bands out of uh, McGee Entertainment in Los Angeles, there was a kid that came in to intern for me. And I just, I destroyed this guy, verbally abused him and just in a good way as, as, as Jersey sarcasm goes. And uh, he, he took it all. This guy by the name of Todd Harapiak, he took it all like crazy. And he, we got along fantastic. And so he said, what's it going to take to get that snake guitar? He like wanted me to give it to him. I'm like, things packed away man that's like that's my baby that's packed away that's not going anywhere cut to and that was probably 2007 cut to about two and a half years ago i'm reading online about uh dave rude from tesla about his white epiphone explorer and in it he thanks todd harapiak and I'm like, that can't be the same dude. So I reach out to him. I go, you know, his ass face, is this really you? And he's like, gets back to me. He goes, absolutely. He goes, when are we going to do a signature model on that snake guitar? Like the first thing he said to me. Wow. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, well, and I'm thinking he's just, you know, BSing me. And then I, he goes, you know, Kramer uh, is owned by Gibson now. And I said, I had no idea because I didn't. I, I wasn't up to up to date on it. I was really excited about that because I had heard about all the changes that were going on with Gibson. It was really inspiring. So we happened to be down in Nashville at the time. And I, uh, I said, well, I'll consider it if you get me one of these. And I sent them a picture of an Explorer. And sure enough, three days later, I had an Explorer at the house. And I'm like, wow, he's for real. So we started talking, and he introduced me, and I brought Scotty with me to, to Cesar, who's like the CMO of the company, and Al John Go. Um, and we started uh, – just having a, a light conversation and it felt like we all knew each other for a really, really long time. They were well-versed on our history. I mean, Al John's from uh, Argentina and he saw us play down there in 1992. And the fact that he wanted to do something with me in, in, you know, 2000 to, you know, 2020, 2021 was just, it was so humbling to me. And he was like, this will be a passion project for me, man. And so Todd, I really owe all the credit in the world for this for to Todd to begin with because he never let up on the idea. And he actually pushed it through. And to see Gibson, the resurgence that they've had and the way they've really turned everything around and went back to being who they are, which is a guitar company. 
You know, they're not an electronics company. They're not a specialist company. They're a guitar company, man. And they're such a huge part of the history of rock and roll that that was getting lost. Like when we heard that they might be filing Chapter 11 like three, four years ago, um, we were brokenhearted. We are like, how can the world live without Gibson? It just doesn't right. make any sense. Right. Right. And so right. it was it was amazing to see the the turnaround and we toured the factory and you could, you could sense this energy, this great energy and positivity. Uh, and everyone was so kind and respectful. Uh, and then uh, I spoke further with Cesar and it was like, we're going to do this. And they tracked down Dennis Klein, who was the original artist and nice. got the artwork uh, and said, we're going to do a limited run. I'm like, I never had a signature edition before. I don't know what this, you know, is like. And they were like 35 years and you haven't had one. I'm like, no, I never sought one out. I <laughs> maybe it's my, you know, uh uneasiness with with that portion of my ego. I don't know. Um, but I, I can't tell how you how that all worked. How that all worked with Todd, it really was, it, it happened so fast. Uh, uh, Jim DeCola is the uh, guy who who the made pick the pickups guy. for pick me. Oh, and I didn't even know it, but I worked with him at PV when I was with PV years ago. Uh, when we when I endorsed uh, the fifty one fifties and the Wolfgangs uh, when Edward was still there, so he did Edward's pickups, and you know at one point did mine as well. So it was great to have him back in the fold. Wow. So, That's Dave, I thing. am like the the tech uh, nut, but especially when it comes to guitars. So I just had a couple of quick things that I wanted to ask you about some of the tech specs. Now, one of the things that I hadn't even thought of before, which is a, a basic thing, is that I know that you've said that having a reverse headstock, which I just think looks super cool, actually helps the guitars balance a little bit better. Right. Absolutely. For me, it does. Absolutely. It does. It looks great. But yeah, as far as the balance goes, it sits perfectly on me. Yeah, it doesn't like you can like put your hands off of it. And it doesn't like fall way down one way or the other. So that's great. Now, I love the fact that you got the D-Tuna on there. And then I wanted to ask you uh, and, and for fans for what that if you uh, listeners, what that is, is you can tune down to a drop detuning quickly by just flipping a switch. And uh, that's on the Floyd Rose. And is, is that an Eddie Van Halen thing? Yes, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, Adam Reaver and uh, right. and Eddie came up with it for F.U. Tone. And nice. Adam's an old dear friend. His his products are amazing. I use them on all my guitars. Uh, and you know what? We usually, like a lot of times, we usually open up with Slave to the Grind, So for, and which is drop D. And we have a couple other things that are drop D, too. So for me, it's really easy. It's just like a flick of a switch, and I'm there. That's awesome. And Mark and I both know Adam as well. And then, Mark, I'll let you jump back in, but I just want to ask one more question. Um, the fingerboard, your your old guitar probably had a rosewood fingerboard, I would say, and and now this new one has Indian laurel, and you said that's almost like an ebony even. It is. It feels smooth and slick like that. It doesn't look like an ebony fretboard per se, but it feels like one to me. And I nice. think that the frets are the frets are a little bit bigger on on a little bit wider on this one than they were than they are on the original, but I had no problem with that. It felt great. Like nice. I'm playing the, back the prototype. 
I'm playing the prototype live. Like, like awesome. I just made some quick, quick adjustments and I, it's not like I, I, I'm like, I'm keeping this and I'm, I'm playing it live. You guys just got to go by memory on the, you know, I'm on the distribution awesome. of this. <laughs> <laughs> very, very cool. Right on. And, and snake, uh, again, we will direct people to the website where they can check out the guitar. It is snake Sabo Beretta by Kramer. And let's talk about Skid Row. Um, you guys have a singer, ZP. Can you tell us a little bit about your history with him, where he came from, how long he's been in the band? ZP's been in the band between four and five years. He originally sang for a band called Dragon Force. Um, we had become friends with him when he had his, like, his own band in the UK called IMI. They opened up a bunch of shows for us, and we hit it off really well, especially Rachel and him. And so <clears throat> when we started looking for uh, a singer, he was kind of the first person that we reached out to. And he lives in the UK, so it doesn't make things easy. But we flew him over to Nashville, jammed with him for a little while. And the great thing about him is that he came in and he knew way more songs than we did. Like he knew 18, wow. 19 songs. And we were prepared to play, you know, three or four. <laughs> and so <laughs> he did Skid Row songs. Like, he knew more Skid yeah. Row songs than Skid Row. He did. <laughs> he absolutely did. And so we jammed on a bunch of stuff and he just was kind hearted and you could tell he was a team player. It wasn't a front. Uh, and so we said, okay, let's do this on kind of a trial basis. Cause we've had some bad experiences, uh, lately. So, <laughs> so sorry decided, for laughing. <laughs> yeah, we decided, we decided to do some, uh, a bunch of shows with him and, kind of not officially in the band but the more we played with them and the more comfortable we felt uh it was inevitable we we all knew that that he should be in the band so what it didn't take very long uh before to make it sort of official but it was you could tell right off the bat that this was going to work and one of the great things about him is that he's he respects the legacy of the songs and the history of the band uh so he wants to do them justice uh, and of course, he's his own singer, but he wants to stay as true to the original as possible. And I really respect that uh, because one of the things that's interesting is that he grew up on us. So he's got uh, he knows our complete history, which is why he knew all those songs, uh, because he used to, he would practice them all the time and he would warm up with them when he was in Dragon Force. So uh it was it was definitely serendipitous that it would happen and and he's brought so much positivity to the band that you know it's funny awesome. we all actually get along really well and we all really like each other and you know on days off we hang out with each other and uh you know we're always in constant contact with one another especially through this pandemic um which has made it very difficult to sort of communicate but thank god for zoom you know and yeah Right. And we've done a bunch of uh we've written a bunch of stuff via Zoom. Uh so it's not the the ideal way of doing things for us, but uh it's it's what you have to do at this particular point. Right on. Right, right. on. And now, he's uh, been with you for how many years now? Between four and five. Right. And at 
I saw him with you guys. I think it was M3. Was it 2019? I'm thinking that was a great show, really. M3 is yeah. such a great festival. You guys oh, are great. It's tremendous. It's tremendous. I love playing there. And, you know, it's uh, it's on the East Coast, on the Eastern Seaboard. Kicks is always there, which is always a bonus. Right. Uh, you know, we've known those guys since the very beginning of Skid Row. So it's great to see them. They're such a great band. Uh, and they always put together a really good bill. Yeah. So no doubt you know, about it. Yeah, M three is always always great. Um, Snake, I I wanted to just touch way back to something early, early when you started playing guitar that I just thought was a cool thing. And I know this, but maybe some of our listeners and we've got some new listeners to the show, so uh, they they might not know this. When when you started playing guitar way back in like nineteen seventy eight, nineteen seventy nine. Your friend was was somebody who everybody is a household name, and uh, and he was initially showing you stuff, and then he turned you on to his guitar teacher. Why don't you tell us about that? And I know you That's know what I'm exactly, talking about. Exactly, exactly true. Uh, I grew up with John Bon Jovi, and we're still the best of friends. Matter of fact, we texted each other today, and. Uh, just break each other's balls. That's all our texts consist of. It's never, <laughs> hey, how you doing? It's never, ever anything like that. It's like time to get verbally beat up, you know? So, but when he, he lived three blocks away from me up the street in, uh, in Saraville, New Jersey. And so I think I had met him when I was around 10 or 11, uh, walking up the street to a friend's house who lived across the street from him, saw him outside playing basketball and, and challenged him to a one-on-one -on -one game. And we became friends from there. Uh, shortly thereafter, he started playing guitar and I was fascinated by it. Uh, roughly around the same time, I was about 14 and a half. Uh, my brother bought a terrible acoustic guitar, like from the Sears and Roebuck catalog. <laughs> played it for about three weeks and gave up on it. Now, this was an uh, opportunity for me to one-up my brother. So I started... I started teaching myself utilizing the Roy Clark quick picking fun strum and home guitar course. Uh, which I love you, bought that. Off the you bought it off in the television. It was four albums and a bunch of, uh, you know, books, instructional books. And then I was getting frustrated with that. It was boring, whatever. So John offered to teach me a bunch of chords and stuff like that and some scales. And uh, luckily I learned them real quick. And then he suggested, he goes, you know what? Why don't you just go to the guy that teaches me? He lives right across the street. And his name was Al Paranello, and he became a mentor to both of us. And what an amazing human being. I mean, he was a great teacher uh, of not only the guitar, but of the passion that should go into playing it and taught us both a, a lot about life um, and how music plays. <coughs> Excuse me such an important role in life and it's stuck with us ever since. And again, he was, he was our, probably my, as far as mentor goes in my early years, he was the, uh, the most prevalent and the most powerful. What, what an amazing teacher. And, and what, like how cool is he and how great is he as an influence that two of his students have went on to do such great things in the music industry. I think that's really a great story. But 
Well, it's pretty amazing to think that we live in a in a three block radius. Like it's it's wow. a it's a it's a one minute walk from John's old house to Al's old house, and it was a five minute walk from my house to both of theirs. So, wow, uh, it's just it's just incredible. I look back on that, and you know we were unbelievably close with Al until he passed away and and John and I are still unbelievably close so it's there's something really to be said about that Jersey Brotherhood thing absolutely right on. Right on. now Snake you Mark and I are in Jersey as well so we're, we're hoping to carry that on in the future. I know you are I know you guys are in Jersey I love that yeah when, when you come when you know when the pandemic or whenever you feel like it come down hang with us in Jersey Man, I'll tell you what, you won't get me out of there. I'm I'm addicted. I've been I'm a Jersey boy through and through. And I'll tell you what, I lived in California for eleven years, and that was fourteen years too long. And I missed <laughs> I missed Jersey every step of the way. And the funny thing is, is that the majority I had a small group of friends out there, and most of them were from Jersey or or, or somewhere on the East Coast. It was just that's just the way it is, you know. And so when I got back to the East Coast, when I got back to the East Coast, even though I'm out on Long Island, I'm still I'm on the East Coast again. You know, I'm right. right. I consider Long Island, Manhattan and Jersey all one thing, pretty much like without a doubt. I mean, you know what? Twisted Sister being from Long Island, they had such a huge influence on us in the early days. You know, Mm. just the fact that they worked so hard. And they were able to make it the way, you know, to the heights that they did. And you could see them five nights a week grinding it out. And when they when they finally made it, I mean, I couldn't believe I was going to see them. 2,000, 3,000 people were, were showing up and they didn't have a record deal. I was like, this is insanity. Yeah. And then and then they got signed and it was like and you saw them all over MTV and touring everywhere. And you're like. For a kid from, you know, from Sayreville, it was like, okay, Twisted Sister has done it. John Bon Jovi's doing it. It's very possible. And uh, it was a it was a huge influence. No Snake, doubt about so it. So you, you mentioned earlier that you work for McGee, McGee Entertainment, I guess it is. And yes. I wanted to ask you about that because, I mean, that's a – enormous name doc just uh booked us a paul stanley interview recently which was absolutely incredible to be able to speak to my idol but uh what do you do with doc and and what's your role in mcgee well i'm sort of like an independent contractor i'm i'm a i do management and when i moved out to la uh i moved out to la in about 2001 uh sort of trying to find my way out there and then realized that I've, I've always had an interest in the business of music and was able to educate myself pretty well. And I had great teachers in Doc McGee and Scott McGee, amazing teachers and, and, and the Bon Jovi guys. Uh, and a, a group of, you know, all the agents that we ever worked with around the world and the different labels that we worked with. It was all extremely educational. Um, I always wanted to be the guy that, that could come into, you know, the president of a record label's office and not be dumbfounded in the corner because I didn't understand the terminology and what it meant of what they were speaking of when it came to contracts and terminology. Um, So I educated myself. And as I got older, I took more of an interest in 
wanting initially to to you know work with friends if that was possible um and so i you know i'm like doc just let me you know let me work out of the office here no 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 you're a pain in the ass blah 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 stick to writing music <laughs> and stuff like that and yeah i get that but we were in a uh we had some downtime and so i just kept hanging out at the office in la i came in every day and sat at a desk and just went around the office because there was a probably 12 13 people working there I'm like can i help out with anything can I, you know very humble uh, not using my success with Skid Row to any of my advantage at all, just being like, you know what? How can I help? And that led into me becoming a part of this show that we put on for the troops at Camp Pendleton, uh, which was like 60,000 people. And, uh, you know, Godsmack was there and, and uh, Destiny's Child uh, Richie Sambora, uh, you know, kiss. It was just, it was a mind boggling event. And that was kind of, okay, here you go. You're thrown into the, to the quicksand, see if you can survive. And over the course of, you know, 48 straight hours of being awake and running around like a crazy person and basically being the liaison between all the acts that were on the bill and our, uh, executives, that's how I uh, was utilized, and it went over amazingly. And so I was like, I like doing this. I like talking to the different artists. I knew a lot of them. Uh, they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm in management. They're like, no way. And so right. <laughs> uh, shortly after that, I started working with a singer-songwriter in California by the name of Randy uh, Coleman, whom was amazing. Um, and it was a different thing for me. Uh, but we were able to get him some good publishing deals and things of that nature. And then shortly thereafter, uh, Rex Brown came into the office and said that, well, Philip and him and, and Pepper are putting down back together. And we want, you know, we want to know if you're interested in managing it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and I go, you guys are my friends and really good friends. And I go, the only way that I would do it is if that we ever saw a time where our friendship was being destroyed, we'd have to walk away from each other to somehow preserve that friendship. Uh, and so we started working together, and we still do. <laughs> Rex is wow. no longer with the band. He's gone on to do his own stuff, but right. we still work together. And it's really been such a great life experience to work with you know with friends philip has been my buddy since they toured with us in 1992 and we've always maintained a really close relationship we're like you know the least likely of people to be like really good friends uh but yet we are and uh you know it's funny he's so not a difficult person to work with or manage uh very very smart cool uh, very, very open to listening to alternative ideas and uh, not completely set in his ways like a lot of artists who have, who have, you know, stamped their name on the music industry are. Um, and he's uh, he's been a, a pleasure. And same thing with Pepper Keenan and Kirk Winstein and Jimmy Bauer. They've been amazing. 
they've we've had so many great moments together and hopefully they'll start working again soon they've taken like a three-year hiatus and you know philip's been doing uh the philip h and some on the illegals and did arson anthem for a little while and then super joint for a little while so scour he's doing so he's got a lot of stuff on his plate and kirk's got crowbar and pepper's got coc and jimmy's got i hate god and and super joint as well so they've always had a lot of stuff going on and down has always been a band that would put out stuff and then you know walk away for a little while and we always knew that and that's just the way it's been so but i think that uh within the next year uh they're going to have some some stuff coming out we would love some more down music. Oh. That would be incredible. Um, Snake, we do have another guest coming on, so we do have to kind of wind things down. I did sure. mention to the listeners that we were going to be talking with you, and I always like to try to include a, a question from the listeners. So here's one yes. for you. Uh, would you mind asking Snake about the possibility of subhuman ra- race being released on vinyl? I know it's not the favorite of the bands, but I love it so much. It was my first Skid Row record. Uh, any, do you have control over that? Any thoughts on releasing that on vinyl? There is the strong possibility that everything that we've done with Atlantic Records is going to come out in a box set. Uh, we're working on all of that now, believe it or not. Nice. Wow. So yes, there's yeah. a very good poss- there's a very good possibility. You know, Rhino handles all of that stuff, uh, and so from what I'm told by them, that they are working on doing uh, all of the records that we did with Atlantic. Right on. So, cool. and Snake. I also wanted before we let you go to give a big shout out. You mentioned him earlier, Todd. What was his last name again? Todd. Uh... Todd Harapiak. Yeah, big thanks to Todd because he actually hooked up this interview for us. So I appreciate nice. yes, that. Yes, he did. He did. Yes. And he's just he's great, man. I mean, there's he's got so much passion and and he's got a wealth of knowledge and he just loves what he does. And you know, I'm really, really uh, uh grateful that that he's a friend and and uh that he's done so much for for Scotty and myself. Right on, right on. Well, Excellent. Snake, we wish you all the best. We cannot wait for Skid Row to get back out there and playing shows we're ready uh so hopefully uh we get this coronavirus thing in the back rear view mirror very soon and we can get our live well we're supposed to, we're supposed to start in july so let's hope you know and yeah uh go, yeah. going out on the road in july but uh thank you guys so much for your time i love talking thank to you. fellow jersey boys absolutely oh, yeah. snake we will see you on the road i'll be there no matter what <laughs> Excellent. Give uh give Michael my best. I love Michael. Michael Sweet. Absolutely. Yeah, you Absolutely. might actually be able to say hi to him if you hang on. You can go into the backstage room here and and uh, you'll probably be there wait, waiting yeah. to uh, come on. So <laughs> okay. thanks, Nick. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see him. Take care, Snake. Thanks. Thank All you right. again. Take care. Ladies and yeah, gentlemen, Snake from Skid Row. And yeah, excellent, excellent stuff. Um, I gotta crack a beer real quick here. First drink. Yeah, I'm gonna. Beer. I'll have a. You know, what I'm gonna have. Check this out. This is a uh, springtime margarita. It's one of the drinks on my menu. I still love Dash Vodka the best, but this is uh, just uh, something else. Double. This is a. I get mixed up because it's backwards. Uh, there we go. A double yeah. IPA. Yeah. Nice. All right. Nice. I have a little silver platter here, as if you might be able to see. And I have my dash, and I have my springtime margarita made by Drinkworks. 
Um, Dude, I, I don't like going seen... to your social media page because every time I go there, I get hungry. You're showing these oh, yeah. beautifully cooked meals. I keep telling yeah. Emily, I said, we have to go to John's place and have him cook us a meal because, wow, I will. I, that's really good looking stuff. My... And I'm sure it tastes amazing. Thank you. Uh, I will definitely cook for you guys. Um, that's my new thing. Uh, during this pandemic, I'm becoming uh, John the chef. Heavy metal chef. Right on. Well, I want to just give a shout out to the crew whenever they are ready to bring Michael on. Whenever he's ready, no rush. We are ready for him. Um, Striper is has some news and also Michael has some great music, which I had the privilege of hearing called a sun bomb, which is just amazing stuff with Tracy guns. There he is. Michael, hey guys. how are you? Thanks for coming on today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Great hey, to be here with you guys. And, and hello to Snake. Is, Snake is, is somewhere else. I don't see him on my screen, but oh, okay. he said he loves me and, and I return the love. And that's not, I'm not just saying that because he's here, but I, he's one of the few guys I could count on two hands, maybe, who's about as humble and incredible as it gets in this business. So he's just a true, true gentleman. Always a pleasure. Love you, Snake. How are you, brother? Hope you're well, man. Excellent. Yeah, he is. He is awesome. And and Michael, I, I want to get right into talking about Sunbomb and everything, but I I cannot start without mentioning that way back in 2005, before there was ever even such a thing as podcasts with celebrity rock and roll interviews, you were our first interview, and I interviewed you at BB King's along with the whole band. And then I accidentally erased the interview because it, it's not like today when you can go with like a little handheld mic. I had this big laptop and all kind of contraption. And then you were nice enough to do a second interview with me that same day. And that's uh, literally on one of the very first Talking Metal episodes in 2005. So thank you for getting this started. You, are you saying contrary to popular belief that I was nice? Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You were so nice. And after I erased this amazing interview that you took the time to sit with me and do, I was afraid to say, just because not because of anything I heard about you, but just because you did such a great interview that I accidentally didn't get it or I got it and erased it. And then you were nice enough to sit back with me again. And I said, look, can we do another interview? And all the guys did. And and that that uh, was one of that was actually our first interview with somebody of, of your stature on, on our show. Yeah, I that remember. Was I remember that, and uh, sadly, BB King's is no longer, uh, you know, uh, a right place there anymore. Uh, I know, man. And we played there quite a few times. I always loved playing there. Such a great. I, it was it was small, but that's what made it really cool and intimate. It was really nice to play there. Uh, and I remember it, man, specifically. Of course, absolutely, Thanks, Michael. Yeah, and. It was, and that awesome. was, I believe, episode 10. And this is, I believe, is 917 or 16. So we've come a long way. <laughs> and you've been on numerous times through the years. So we, we always, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Michael. And it, I got to tell you, Tracy Guns was on recently and he really hyped up this thing you guys are doing, Sunbomb. And I was just sent a link to it. And wow, I'm totally blown away. Uh, I'm not just saying this to kiss your butt. Sunbomb is on fire. And I do want to talk about some of my favorite songs off the record. 
But uh, what a combination you guys are together and what great music. Uh, how did this all come about? Well, it, Tracy was working on this project and this music with Frontiers before I was ever involved. And I think uh, he had a, a singer in place. I, 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 I can't recall his name. I, I mean, no disrespect, but he plays bass in Whitesnake, bass guitar and sings as well. Um, and I can't recall his Michael name at the moment. Michael somebody, yeah. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so Michael Devin. was involved. Yeah. He was involved and then uh, something happened and they went their separate ways. And then Tracy reached out to me and sent me a song. And he said, what do you think? And I said, yeah, it's cool. He goes, do you want to sing it? And I said, sure. And I thought it was one song. And then it wound up being Tracy wanted me to perform and sing the entire album. And it looked as though it wasn't going to work out for quite some time. So he started talking to other singers, Stephen Piercy, D. Snyder. Uh, he was going to make it like a multiple singer album and frontiers i guess wanted to stick to the original plan of me singing it we were able to work out the schedule and i wound up co-writing uh some of the melodies and lyrics and singing all the vocals on the album it's a very raw uh not a lot of overdubs very raw in your face kind of approach the entire album and that's what's really cool about it. It's a throwback to the early days, like the early 80s. And even some of the music, uh, the style is almost like a 70s little Sabbath. Uh, it, it's definitely got a different, darker vibe to it musically and lyrically speaking. And it's, it's definitely a little different for me, which is really cool. Yeah, One I would say that so. I think and, is it Go ahead, John. Oh, Mark, I, I was going to say just to touch on that. Uh, it, it what one quote that I heard was that Tracy said that this is like the album that he would have made if if he would have had the opportunity to make a record when he was seventeen. It's that's what he was into at that time of his life. And to me, I hear like Iron Maiden. I hear you know, like you know, some really heavy stuff. And and you wouldn't necessarily when you think Tracy Guns, you think L.A. Guns. You don't think that type of stuff but it is sabbathy i think it sounds in some cases like iron maiden uh but i just think it's amazing and and i mean the vocal performance that you're doing on this is is just outstanding and the layers and and i love it but well man i'm glad you like it bro i mean i'm i'm, I'm trying to i mean i can only stretch myself so far as a vocalist i have a particular style and a particular uh signature for lack of a better way of putting it tone and, and sound and it's almost impossible for me to break out of that or break free from that so you get what you get i i did grit it up a little bit more and stretch myself a little bit and tried some different things melodically but uh, it's still me singing you know and people either love my voice or they hate my voice there's no in between um and and well, that's we love fine <laughs> i mean i'm glad you love it man i'm, I'm really happy to hear that but uh, there are a lot of people out there that hate it, and and that's that's fine. I, it doesn't stop me from continuing down the path that I'm on and doing what I love to do, and you know, continuing to make music. So it's really cool. You know, the opening track is called "Life," and it comes in with this really interesting kind of dark guitar part. At times, almost like a Norwegian black metal feel to the guitar part. And then your vocals come in, kind of surfing over top of this craziness it, it's just a great way to uh 
start the record off. Uh, any comments on that specific song, Life? Well, I, I know that that song is being released tomorrow. Oh, wow. Uh, in the form of a music video. And we uh, we were able to put together a pretty cool music video, all things considered, being under COVID and the pandemic and not being able to get together in the same room or what have you. Um, Tracy shot his footage in, I believe, Denmark. And I shot my footage in Plymouth, Massachusetts. And then it was all put together in Italy. Wow. And it, it's that it's that song live. So it's really it's going to be interesting to see what people think, you know, and uh, it's it, it's different, man. It's it's really cool. And I'm, I'm just I'm just honored that Tracy would want me involved. I'm honored that anybody would want me involved. I mean, I, here I am, the striper guy who, um, you know, we do our thing. And, and the fact that anybody wants to work with me always kind of blows my mind and uh it's very humbling, you know, so it's really cool to, to be able to do projects like this. Yeah. And the second song on the record, very, that's very Sabbathy. I mean, that has more of that seventies Sabbath vibe to me. I think, is that, uh, take, what was that? Take my, take me away. Is that the second one? Oh yeah. Yeah. That that's very Sabbathy for sure. Like yeah. old school Sabbath. Yeah. It's got that real, almost like doom metal, real yeah. slow and dark. For sure. Now, that's really in terms of if I had to pick a track that's really different for me, I'd say that one. Right on. Sure. Other ones I love better, better end with uh, love that vocal melody and harmony you do right before the guitar solo kind of over that mellower part. Uh, World Gone Wrong. What are the lyrics in that, Michael? Is it reverse the hate love creation? Is that what you're singing there? Reverse the hate. Exactly. And the lyrics, it's yeah. funny because it, it, speaking of the lyrics, originally, uh, a lot of the lyrics were written by <clears throat> Mitch, a guy named Mitch. And um, he, the first song that I got, I thought it was a joke. I was lying in bed with my wife and I opened up the first lyric and it was called Witches. And I'm like, Witches? OK, what's this? So I started reading them and it was about <laughs> burning witches. And I, I just felt like instantly, like, is this April Fool's? Is, is someone pulling a joke? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> What's going on here? I'm not I'm not singing a song about burning witches or even witches for that matter. So I wrote everybody and I said, guys, uh, what's up here? This is a joke, right? And it wasn't a joke. And we had to basically <clears throat> have all the lyrics revamped and rewritten by Alessandro at Frontiers. Um. And then the lyrics were presented and, and definitely at that point in time, I felt like, okay, these are lyrics I can put my name on. These are lyrics I can sing with conviction. It doesn't compromise who I am as a person. It doesn't alienate me from my fan base because I can't do that, you know? Right. Um, so it really, it worked out in the end and all the lyrics, even though they fit with the music, it, when you really read them on their own, they're very inspiring. They're not, they're not negative and dark and, and, in off base right now, well, that's what i Alessandro got from world gone wrong write those oh mark i was gonna ask uh, i'm sorry guys did alessandro write those with you in mind like the new versions of the lyrics yes basically long story short is i 
I said, after I read the witch lyrics and then I read a couple other lyrics and I'm like, yeah, these lyrics aren't really going to going to work for me. Uh, I said, hell, I'll just pardon my French H E double hockey stick. Uh, I said, I said, I'll write the lyrics, you know, it'll be, it'll be quick and easy. And, um, and, and they decided not to do that. I think mainly because, uh, Alessandro is an in-house producer and publisher. And, um, okay. I think they just felt it would be easier for him to write them and, and it would make more sense in, in terms of legalities and whatnot. So he wrote them very quickly, sent them to me. I fine tuned them. I went through and kind of tweaked lyrics here and there because of the language barrier. You know, all the right. Sandro's Italian. And it just had to tweak a few things here and there. And I also tweaked some of the melodies and put my own spin on the melodies uh, and did some things that weren't there and kind of made it my own. And, and thank God when Tracy got Take Me Away, his first response in a text was, I think it was like, I'm, I'm effing blown away or something, something to that to that degree and he was he was really really into it and it was really cool to see that very cool yeah that's great i'm i'm really into it too and it's not just the ozzy era sabbath it's like i hear uh dio era sabbath and and tracy mentioned that small portion of sabbath history where ian gillen was in the band i i hear oh, that yeah. too now that i hear the whole record it, it is a great great listen Sunbomb is the band or project tracy guns uh mike michael sweet and who else who else uh who's playing drums on that do you know there's great drumming uh that is adam adam, adam. Uh, who, hamilton adam hamilton yeah adam hamilton who used to be in uh, i think he was in la guns i, LA I don't guns. know if he is I don't know if he's in L.A. Guns at the moment, but he played drums. And, and actually, uh, I think he produced the stuff, too. I know he mixed it. Great guy, right. man. Love him. Uh, really cool people to work with and for. And it was just really cool. But, you know, there are some people out there who aren't going to dig it. I, I can't recall the guy's name or the name of his band. But the guy that runs Metal Sludge, um, I guess he... He gave it like one star, you know, and hated it. And um, it, it's it, it's like it's it's the way it goes. You know, you can't win everybody over. Well, well it is I, a, it I mean, is a believe, raw, I, um, I love aggressive it. listen. I mean, I, I it's personally the type of stuff I, I love. I love like, again, that some of that doomy sludgy stuff is always stuff that I love. And your voice going with that, I think, is something really special. But let's talk about um striper now you're doing something really cool you're reworking an album that you were promoting when you first appeared on talking metal back in 2005 reborn and you're going to rework it as reborn again can you tell us what this is all about it's definitely a little confusing for people and i can understand why but to explain what it is um Basically, back in 2004, after our 2003 tour, which wasn't an official reunion, just a celebration tour, I went home and recorded and wrote and produced a solo album called Reborn. And it was the exact album that you hear from Striper minus In God We Trust. I mean, like, everything, it's, it's, it's like... A, a, a duplicated copy of that album, exactly the same, everything. But Striper re-recorded it with obviously Robert and Oz and Tracy, who was our bass player at the time. 
And we copped note for note everything. We added a couple things here and there to make it a little different, but we copped everything because everybody really liked it. And I always liked the original version better because I felt when Striper went in and re-recorded things, something happened to a lot of the tones, the guitar tones, the drum tones. They just weren't, they, they weren't hitting me like the original. They lost their punch and it just got over compressed and lost its transience and dynamics. And that was retained on the original version. And I always said in the back of my mind, gosh, I'd love to release the original version someday, you know, just so people can hear it. And I'd like to, along with that original version, add what I always wanted to add, guitar solos, a few high notes, a few things here and there to beef it up a little bit, make it cooler and better. And that's what I did. And it's my original version with Derek uh, Kurzweil on drums, a guy named Lou Spag on bass. And I'm playing all the guitars and added a bunch of solos. And man, I got to tell you, it sounds, I mean, I'll never listen to, and then no disrespect to Striper at all. I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. It's just, I'll never listen to the Striper version ever again. I mean, this new version sounds wow. night and day in terms of the sonic quality and the punch. It's just like, it, it just hits you in the face. It's so punchy. So I'm really excited for people to hear that. I, I released through my website a thousand vinyl and a thousand CDs. They're all sold out. I had to do a new run of CDs and a small run of vinyl. Those are selling really quickly. People are asking me if I'll release it as a download at some point. Probably not, but maybe. I, I don't know. It was, it was more just the labor of love for me to just kind of make it available a, as a special package to special people. There you go. Right on. That's, and we do really have awesome. to let, let you go soon, um, Michael, but is Oz doing okay? I mean, we've heard about some of the medical issues he's dealing with and are, we're thinking about him. Any updates? Thank you, man. He's doing great. Believe it or not, he's doing really great. Just a few so days so after surgery, he, just a few days after surgery, he was pretty much, back to normal in terms of how he sounded, you know, talking to him on the phone and uh, he's going to be great, man. He's going to be fine. He, he's heading home, I think uh, tomorrow. And wow. uh, he wound up staying close to the hospital just in case anything were to happen. And he's, uh, he's doing great, man. He's in good spirits and everything's cool. That's great. We're so hear. happy to hear that. Absolutely. And, and, and Michael, guys, one, one more Funny thing that I want to say before I let you go is that uh, back pre this had to be the early earlier 80s. There was a store in our hometown called National Record Mart and, and they didn't they didn't get imports or other cool style records. But I went to a Christian bookstore and I got a yellow 45. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we had, and I we was, had, that was the great thing about Enigma Records back in the day. They were genius because they were always releasing new product in terms of vinyl and special packages. You know, they released the first Soldier Under Command, for example, on black vinyl, sold it all, then released it on white vinyl, sold wow. it all, then released it, you know, in, uh, I think, yellow vinyl. And they just nice. kept going and going with every album. So it was really cool. So we have a lot of different collector pieces out there available for sure. 
Yeah, and I still have that in my collection. And then the other thing, and then Mark, I'll let you go, let you go. I got to mention that the the lead singer and and uh, main dude in my particular band, which is called Like It, his name is Jamie Ross, and he has done sound for you. I mean, uh, done lights for you, not only at oh. BB Kings and in other places in Long Island, but even in Europe somewhere, he ended up doing lights for you guys. Wow. Well, yeah, that's awesome, Jamie Ross, man. he's a super fan. He even has a Tim Gaines signature bass. So just have to mention that. <laughs> Dude, had I known that, I would have had him up on stage to sing a couple songs with us. It, <laughs> hey, next time, we'll do it. Michael, thank <laughs> you awesome. so much for speaking with us. And uh, it is the 35-year anniversary this year of To Hell With The Devil. It's crazy. I cannot believe it. Um, Can you believe it? You know what that means? I'll tell you, it means one thing only. It means that I am freaking old. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say we're all old. <laughs> you, you look great. You look young. You look very young. I think you look younger than me, so you're good. <laughs> we cannot know, wait man. to get lately, you back I'm, out on the road. I feel like uh, Grizzly Adams lately. This is COVID beard, you know. I'll shave it. Right, right. Everybody's got again. that. <laughs> all right. Michael, you stay safe, and please, let's get you back out on the road. We cannot wait to uh, get some live music from you again real soon. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. God bless, man. I'll yeah. see you next time. God okay? bless. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Michael. God bless. See you later. Cool. Take All care. right. So we we are cool we are moving that? along here. So our next guest is, is ready, John. Um, he is in the waiting room. I'll give you a talking metal toast there. Yeah, let's do a talking oh, about this. This is beer. Oh, I, I don't know. Maybe he's not ready. He's not ready yet. Okay. Oh, not re not ready yet. Okay. Oh, he not just ready. logged in. Okay. So they they okay. We, we can hang. I thought he was. I thought he was ready. So, uh, you. I'll let you inter introduce him when we get him on. Okay. And what okay. what I've been doing is kind of cutting up the interviews then and posting them separately on YouTube. Nice. But then you can also watch the extended show on YouTube because that goes up live or not live it goes up right after the live show is is over so this is so much fun and i just wanted to give a big shout out to all the people who are helping out jp marcy sophia yeah. michael yeah. the whole gang over there uh, doing a great yeah. job everybody at sdn broadcast thank you so much you guys are the best and you make these so much uh more fun for me because when when i was trying to engineer these uh it was a, a mini nightmare so um uh, not only is it much more fun for me, but these shows look great. They look professional. And I love the fact that there's a, um, a virtual green room. There's a virtual backstage. It's so cool. And uh, it, I think it impresses our, our guests. So it's a neat thing. Yeah. <laughs> for, sure. for sure. So, man, I remember seeing I'm trying to think seeing Mastodon for I may have been the first time I saw them was with you and Josh Bernstein. Do you remember that was there? And it was, at, I don't even know if I remember what, what, what venue? Yeah. Irving Plaza. It had to be, oh, okay. A, a, it had to be a long time. It had to be at least like, yeah. 10, okay. I do remember ago, right? now. Yeah. I love Irving Plaza. What a great venue and what a cool place to see Mastodon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting some text here. Let's see. Okay, so yeah, they're getting they're getting Bill ready. I'm sure as soon as he's ready, they, they can just send him in, and we will. Uh, you can do the intro, John, when he comes okay. in. Okay, I'm going to show him that guitar that I have that is his, and we'll see what he says about that. Oh, I hope he doesn't okay. want it well, back. I want to be careful with that he might want it back. I know yeah. if he wants it back, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be sad. Maybe, I, maybe he'll trade it to me for one of his new LTD models. So that would be cool. But. Right. 
Right. Okay. Well, but, um, we'll we'll soon find out, I guess. And, uh, and Mastodon, I, 21, 21 year in... anniversary of Max Mastodon, by the way. Nice. Yeah, I saw that video. It's so great. We're gonna have to ask him about that. Yeah. Right on. And how did you get to know Bill? You knew him when you were working at Gibson. Yeah. So um, Jim Felber, uh, who you of course know, um, who I work for at Gibson, who's one of my best friends of all time. He um, he got to be good friends with Bill. And there was an event that I hosted. It was a private uh, investor event at Gibson at the New York showroom. And the guests were Ace, Jason Hook, uh, uh, and um, and Bill. And uh, and these were all three Gibson. Is there a video you know, of that? I, I remember seeing a video of that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So they, they yeah. did some playing. And then there was a blues jam. And believe it or not, I played drums. So I got to play with these amazing dudes. So it was like me on drums. Jason Hook on guitar, Ace on guitar, and Bill actually, even though he's a guitar player, played bass in this right. like blues jam we did. And I've got it up on astronomy.com so you could Yeah, I remember I remember seeing it. that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that was so Very cool. cool. I've always thought these guys in Macedon were like just super, super cool. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. They are. So much great music through the years. So um, I don't know how are we doing with Bill, guys. Is he almost uh, ready or? Don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So we will. Cool. Uh, so, so, Mark, are you back in the office going? now, John? Are you back in the office? I thought. No, I no, I'm not in the office. I posted no. something on Facebook, but I was in Lynn's office building at that point. Ah, okay, okay. Just, just taking some cool photos because I was back in Manhattan. I went to work with her for a day. She. She's not back in the office either, um, but she goes in occasionally. But, yeah, I'm not sure when that's going to happen. Um, I'm getting antsy, and I, I kind of want to go back into the city, like, yeah. just to hang out. And and I got to say that Hide, uh, the bass player of Like It, has a new uh, restaurant uh, called, um, I think it's called, like, Sushi Corcoran or something like that. And um, how, how cool is that, the... Bass player of Like It, uh, one of our two bass players, uh, not to forget about Dave, but um, Hide um, has his own Japanese restaurant. And uh, right. he is uh, uh, straight out of uh, Tokyo, Japan, and um, he is here, and he is making great Japanese food in his own restaurant in Manhattan. And I'm going to make sure I've got the actual proper name of that. And speaking of basis from Japan, John, I'm sure you heard this news that uh, what was it, Keiko um, of Wussy, yeah, passed mm -hmm. away. So I I remember going to a party at her apartment. Now, were you with me there? It was before a, a rat show. I, I probably was. I've been to Keiko's yeah. apartment many, many times, and, and Keiko, um, I, we love Keiko. Keiko and Jamie, of course, um, were together for many years, and. Um, and she was a bassist and she was just such a, a, a like a beautiful person. I, I, and I never use terms like that, but she was. She was a great graphic artist and she was just great. She's come to like it, recent like it gigs. Um, and uh, I'm so I was so sorry to hear that she passed away and it was unexpected for me. I had no idea that that was, uh, you know, happening. But. Right on, right on. And so what about like to, uh, let's, guys... do a, let's do a toast to Keiko because and I'm going to use oh, okay, a sure. drink, which is sort of like a, you know, girly looking drink. Let's do this is a toast to the great Keiko, um, who has been our friend for many, many years. And uh, she was she was great. And we won't forget her. Um, 
So Hide's restaurant is called Sukiyaki Corcoran, and it's at 16 oh, okay. Delancey Street. So it's a really hip area, 16 Delancey, Sukiyaki Corcoran. So you he, need to go just to that. the restaurant? And, yeah, he opened his own restaurant. Now, his uh, Hide. Hide, uh, his, his like wow, name is Jan Morningstar, funds. but uh, what's that? On Delancey, I, he must have some serious uh, backing for that. That's not. Yeah, cheap, no doubt about it. Yeah, Hide, um, also known as Jan Morningstar or Hide Morningstar, um, has opened his own restaurant, Sukiyaki Kokoran, 16 Delancey Street, New York, New York. This, right on. The only town that's so nice they named it twice is David Letterman. <laughs> right, right, on. right on, man. Cool. Uh, so gigs are like it. Playing any gigs? Uh, are there gigs on? Okay, the so so I'm gonna address this, uh, and I've got to carefully word this. Um, you may see that some like it gigs are currently scheduled, um, and we are assessing them on a case by case basis, and more information will follow. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, Bill is ready. Why don't you give us an official introduction and we'll uh, we'll bring Bill in. Okay. Hey, guys, welcome. Welcome to Talking Metal. We have the one and only Bill Kelleher from one of our favorite bands, Mastodon. And there he is. Bill. What's up, guys? How are you? Bill, thank Great. you so much for joining us. Taking the time out. Yeah, yeah. All good, man. Thanks for thinking of me, you know. How you been? uh honestly man pretty damn busy uh and not with touring obviously or or uh any stuff like that but you know just really staying busy uh being a dad and my my wife's an epidemiologist working on covid uh safety wow. right now so she wow. i don't even really see her she goes into her office in the front room and she doesn't come out until seven o'clock at night. We we sit down on the couch after I made her dinner, and we watch The Wire. That's kind of like our. Then we go to bed. Oh, I love The Wire. Night. Right. Yeah. Wow. So it's like I've been. I got two two kids who are six four, and they're teenagers, and I'm cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and drive them all over, and uh, just busy, really busy doing that. But. Uh, the good thing that came out of this quarantine is that uh, we just finished up a 15 song uh, album and we're halfway through the mixing process right now, which is awesome. That's been great. Um, I'm sitting here in my personal studio at home in Atlanta right now. And <clears throat> I just been working on, you know, when I have a free moment, I come down here and I just riff out and, record as much stuff as i can i hope to get another album it's worth the material you know ready by the time this one comes out so wow that is amazing yep. and as we mentioned as mark mentioned earlier on the show um mastodon is now 21 years old and uh you guys have posted this really funny video now how did that whole thing come about <laughs> man i don't know it's it's pretty goofy I mean, we're all goofy dudes, and I think we, Troy's always really good with dates and locations and times. He's very prompt. Uh, when we used to, you know, tour around, he drove a lot, and he always knew right where he was going, and he always knows those 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 famous places, the, the highways, and he knows everybody's 
birthday, wedding day, anniversaries. So he was like, well, when we turn 21, which is only in a couple of years, you know, we could do a funny video where we were old enough to drink now. And, you know, <laughs> I kind of forgot about it, honestly. You know, I was 29 when the band started. So uh, my birthday's coming up next week. And uh, Troy was like, oh, I got this, you know, he he's really into doing these funny, goofy video things. So he, he put together some kind of script, um, you know, to uh celebrate our you know our birthday and 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 had the giant uh driver's license made and yeah he really gets into that kind of stuff and he seems very calm and, and shy and quiet but he's actually probably the funniest one of all of us you know because he's so dry and his humor is, is is really dry too but uh we like to show our uh funny side once in a while you know that is awesome and, and bill just to kind of unwrap some of the stuff you mentioned uh, in the beginning there. First off, thanks to your wife for the the work she's doing. I think that's really uh, incredible. And, and it's people like her who we are so in debt to. So thank you to her. And also you mentioned the recording that you're doing. Now you're in working with a, a different producer. You guys have had some pretty high profile producers on previous records. Can you tell us what producer you're working with on the eighth studio album by Mastodon? Uh, yes. His name is, his name is David Bottrill or David Bottrill, however you like to pronounce it. He is a Canadian guy, lives in Toronto. Um, honestly, I hadn't really heard of him before, you know, last year we were, kind of tossing around who we were going to use for the new record. And, um, you know, we have our guys that we, you know, we have a, a couple different producers that we like. And um, I mean, we've liked everyone we've used in the past, but I think with this record, we kind of were just like, let's, we, we might need somebody new, somebody really fresh and, and brand new, you know, and, we got on the phone with David and we had a couple other, uh, you know, people we had been talking to and with COVID and everything, a lot of people just weren't available or, or willing to come to Atlanta. So I'll back up a little bit. Um, you know, uh, uh, two years ago, I helped build a, you know, a studio in, um, in a, in a building that Mastodon owns we we have a bunch of rehearsal spots there here in Atlanta and um I couldn't rent out a couple of the rooms I just I just I managed the whole place and I, I couldn't get two of the rooms rented out and I was like man we should build a studio down here It'd be great so uh you know a couple times after tour I, I just spent months down there uh just nailing stuff up and you know screwing screws into boards and and building uh a really nice studio and my dream was always to do our record there and my dream came true so it was it was really cool that when we got on the phone with david he seemed like a great guy he already had some of the demos so he had all kinds of notes stuff that we hadn't even that's what you need, need a producer for someone who kind of thinks outside the box you know the four of you have been playing the same songs demoing the same songs for so long it's like you're kind of like, is this even good anymore? I can't really tell. Does it need something? Or what's? I'm kind of lost. It's like you can't see the forest through the trees. You know, you're like, what? What's what? Everything's upside down. So he he came in and he was diligent. He had all kinds of notes written out. He had done his homework, and he was like, oh, I, for this song I have this idea. For this song I have these ideas. And 
he kind of spouted them off to us on the phone. And uh, I said, well, are you willing to come to Atlanta um, and work with us here sight unseen at our studio, you know? And he's like, as long as your studio is, you know, got the certain equipment that I need and it's, you know, a decent sized room and everything. And we've done a lot of other records there with other bands. Um, and he, he was willing to come down and, you know, Honestly, at first, I just wasn't really into trying anything new. But uh, the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, this record is is really special and it's it's different and times are different right now. And, uh, you know, when the record comes out, you, it'll show that it's like, well, this is definitely David had a lot to do with uh, steering the direction of, of a lot of the sounds and and how it went. And he was a pleasure to work with. I mean, he was. Uh, I mean, we talk every couple, couple times a week we talk and, uh, you know, he, he'd come over for dinner and we'd all hang out and he, he's just, you know, just down to earth guy and very approachable and, you know, part of, uh, I think like 90% of being a, a good producer is, is really having like a de degree in psychology almost, because when you're dealing with right. fragile egos and like, you know, we're, we're band guys, we're musicians. We've put poured our heart and soul into like a musical riff and it really means a lot to us. And it's, um, it's just heartbreaking if somebody's like, no, nah, I don't like that riff. That riff sucks. Like that's not going to be in the song. Like you can't say that you have to, you have to like circumvent that the obvious, like, no man up and, and get rid of that riff, write something better. He, he's, he wasn't, you know, he, and that was one of the, um, my first questions like, well, how do you deal with, you know, if there's, certain people in the band might be more sensitive than others. And uh, he's like, Oh, I've, I've worked with so-and-so and so-and-so. And, -so and, -so. and he's like, I, I'm, he's like, I'm, I'm just a big fan of your band and I just want to make the best, you want to make your best record that, you know, that we set out to make. And he just had a really good, you know, he had a really good way with words when it came down to like, without insulting anybody's like creativeness, you know, he was firm and uh we basically tried everything you know he he said i don't have a problem with trying anything at all you know as long as if you're gonna do it do it with gusto and just just go for it and try it if someone's got hey i want to try to try to sing here hey i want to try to play a solo here hey let's try it maybe it doesn't fit but we never know until we try it so we, we all just kind of went in with open minds and um you know the result is is, is amazing it's just it's the fullest, biggest sounding record we've we've done so far. Wow. That I cannot amazing. wait to hear it. When when you think we'll be hearing it, Bill? Well, you know, I was hoping for summer, but I, I think the powers that be are pushing it back till October, maybe September, October. So now I mean, did sure you say be... that you guys are, are currently mixing or are you finished with the mixing stage? We're halfway through the mixing. Oh, okay. So he'll he'll mix a song every couple of days and he'll send it over to us in Dropbox. And, you know, we, we all listen to it and I go listen to it in the car. I listen to it in my studio. I listen on all kinds of different speakers to make sure that all the things and little, you know, details that I want to hear are there. And, and we just kind of give them, you know, pointers and notes like, oh, hey, I want to hear the the snare needs a little more treble in this part, or we want to hear the kick drum more right here and turn down the vocals in this chorus, you know, and, 
he'll be like, okay, he'll get all the notes in Dropbox. You know, it's technology is pretty cool. You can, he gets all the notes and then he, he turns it around and, you know, an hour later and he mixes everything in Pro Tools. So it's, uh, I think it's pretty easy just to save that's the, the way it was and then go back to something. And Right, right. Yeah. I love it. So, hey, I wanted to, I, one of the things I, I wanted to touch on was that uh, rehearsal studio and recording studio that you built. And I remember um, seeing on your Facebook, you know, like the evolution of that studio. And um, now you, you said you recorded other bands there and I know bands have rehearsed there. How's that going? And is it temporarily closed due to COVID? We were pretty slow for a while, honestly. Like right when COVID hit, we had we had a bunch of bands that were scheduled, and you know a lot of people pulled out. We're we're pretty uh, you know fresh business. It's about two years old, and uh, we've had Blackberry Smoke comes in a lot. Um, we've nice. had uh, Starbenders, the Vegabonds, um, a lot of bands from the south southeast, you know. Um, a lot of bands from Nashville coming down, but we, um, yeah, we, we did slow down for a while, but when we slowed down, we Mastodon came in and we started doing all our demos. Like we right. originally, we come into this place and kind of, it's a very small studio, more for demos. You know, we, we come in here and we kind of hash out the ideas. And once we record the drums and get our basic rough ideas, we take it over to, it's called West End Sound. That's the, the studio. So we take our, our demo stuff over there and we kind of re-demo it, I guess, you know, and kind of work out kinks and, you know, add vocals as we go. So we, we did that for a few months um, and had a couple bands here and there, but yeah, it, it was very slow. Business is picking back up again though. Thank goodness. Um, right. Right. We did a live stream there. There was a lot of bands coming in for, for live stream stuff. So we kind of were setting up for that. Yo, I'm happy to hear that there's, you know, been action in the studio, which is great as opposed to it just being shut down. Uh, so, so, you know, you guys were using the space, which is good. Plus it gave Mastodon a chance to get in there and do what you guys wanted to do. Exactly. Yeah. So, so Bill, I, I know you mentioned the wire earlier and you actually were on one of my favorite TV shows, game of Thrones. You were on a couple episodes of that. Um, what other shows are, you watching through quarantine? Are there other shows you've been into? Did you see Mand Mandalorian season two? Any other shows oh, yeah. you want to talk about? How is that? Did you enjoy uh, one that? of my favorites that I'm waiting for the next season is Ozarks. Ozark. Yeah. Ozark. I don't know if it's coming okay. back. I heard it might not come back for another season. Is that? No, it has that? to come back. Okay. It's got to come back. <laughs> we'll say that. <laughs> the last well, one was I such a cliffhanger. Uh, hey, I so love the wire. That, so, um, is this the first time you guys are, are you rewatching the wire or are you just kind of getting into the wire now? I'm just getting into it. Everyone's told me it's, it's so amazing. And I'm, I'm still kind of waiting for it to get awesome. It's, it's, it's good. It's cool, but it's not as captivating as like some of the more modern TV more, more contemporary shows. Uh, what you know, season are you in? Two. Okay. It'll get, it'll get way better. Like two's good, but it'll get a lot better. Everybody says, yeah, that's what everyone tells me. So I'm, I'm <laughs> hanging in there for that. Um, my wife's watching Shameless, which she says, I can't stand this show. I want it to be over. But she watches it every night. 
Uh, it's kind of guilty pleasure, I guess. Um, the Handmaid's Tale, we watched that together. It's real hard for my wife and I to agree on like one show. Right. Um, uh, what's the one? Uh, Schitt's Creek. That was great. Oh, yeah. I love We're that. watching that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great couple's uh, hug on the couch. Kinda. Yeah. And it's only 20 minutes an episode, which is also good, you know, because it's just yeah. it's a quick thing. Yeah. Yeah. We we binged it. And we binged it and we got all the way to like what we thought was the very last episode. And a few months went by and we were, we never really watched just regular TV, but we saw, I think it was like the Oscars or something. And they were talking about the last episode. And I was like, wait a minute. They were showing scenes from it. I'm like, we didn't see that. So we missed like the very last episode. So we rewatched, <laughs> well, we watched the, we watched the last episode and we were finally done with it. And I was like, wow, I can't believe we almost missed the very last one. But... <laughs> the finale. Hey, what about uh, the Mandalorian? I talk Are about... you enjoying that Mandalorian? Yeah. Mandalorian like... is, is great. The first season was a little, it was a little stale. It just kind of, it seemed like it kept the same exact storyline every, you know, like the little Yoda gets kidnapped and then he has to go find him or whatever and rescue him. And, but the second season I thought was great. It was really well done. Yeah. And I can't wait for all those new Star Wars uh, shows that are coming out that Disney's putting out. There's like nine of them. Yeah, I cannot wait. Um, I, and your son, I believe, is named Harrison. I, my son's named Harrison, too, after Harrison Ford, I think. Sweet. What you named. Yeah, so we have that in common. <laughs> but before, awesome. um, before we let you go, Bill, John oh. has something he wants to show you and talk to you about. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I want I want you to talk about your ESP signature guitar too. Like I, I always want to talk gear, but I want to show you something. And I, I could have swore I mentioned this to you at one point, but I ended up with one of your guitars, and and there's a little A on it, which I think might prove that it's yours. You see that? Like there's a little A on yeah, the headstock that's there. That's for the tuning. Yeah. So somehow did, I'm wondering, because like, you know, of course we know each other from Gibson. Did you trade this back to him? I found it with no guts in it, like kind of like almost discarded, and and I re-put it back together again. And Jim let me, or I, I don't know if I should say this, but I ended up with the guitar. Let's just say that. Uh. Is that like a 2007 or it's a later one, right? You know, um, 2008. I, uh, yeah, 2008. I wonder if that's the guitar. I gave them a guitar to fix up for me because they had given me that guitar and there was something wrong with it. And I think I brought it to Jim while I was on tour and I said, hey, can you... Uh, can you make this guitar right? It, there was something wrong. I think I was playing it on. I, think I was going to play it on Letterman or something like that. And uh, okay, that's probably what it was, right? And I brought it to Jim to to like fix it, or there was something was something was wrong with it. Maybe it was the uh, the bridge was needed needed some adjustment, or it was crackling, or it was cutting out, or something. That's crazy, though. <laughs> so they must have they did they give you another guitar in its place because I, I don't want to have like your guitar that you're missing like no I think they I'm pretty sure he swapped it out for something else okay that's what I think so John happened. does not have and to give I you that guitar, guitar what's it 
What'd you I say, Mark? John does not have to give Bill the guitar. I don't have to give the guitar back. <laughs> so what happened was it had no guts in it. And here's a funny thing. Um, I, I assembled it, but I couldn't find a pick guard. And, um, and I don't know if you know this, but explorers have different style, like depending on the year, there's a, the screws are in different spots. So you can't take a pick guard off. Like I have two explorers. You can't switch the pick guards on them. And, uh, and then one day I opened up some old broken down case and I found your original pick guard. And so then I got that on the guitar. So these pickups are actually not the ones that were in your guitar. They're just brand new pickups. I don't even have them wired. They're just in there. But uh, I put it back together. And I'll tell you the truth. It feels great. Like, I love this guitar. So anyway, I wanted to show you. But I kept I, I that, now I know what that A means. And that's the key of A that you had or like you had an A tuning. A tuning, yeah, that might be the guitar I used uh, on the Crack the Sky tour in like 2010. Wow. I used a white Explorer a lot. I mean, I, I mean, I have about 15 Explorers. Um, I love it. I'm pretty sure and, that, he, and that he gave I, me a new I one. I see something right to your um, right, and I see the back of a Silver Burst. Now that is like my dream guitar right there. Like, that is awesome. Like, I love you. Now, tell us about your model here. Tell us about this. Okay. So this is my model. This is when I left Gibson. Uh, well, it's not that I left them, but they just didn't renew my contract. And uh, we're kind of weird about that. So oh, I didn't, I'm sorry. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you didn't. Um, yeah. It's fine. It was like everybody I knew that who who was helping me at Gibson was was leaving or got fired or left. Yeah, that's what happened. Every everybody left. So you know, uh, Jim left. I left. Everybody, you know, the whole team left. And when that happens, you know, it's uh, Mark. We, we've we've all been through that before. But yeah. Um, so I'm going to show you this too. This is one of my. Uh, Oh, that is amazing. Uh, I love that. That's like a green uh, burst, like a. Yeah. That is cool. Killer, killer color. So, yeah, when I left Gibson, um, I I knew that ESP was kind of waiting in the wings. And I, I just never really was a big fan of their shapes. So the right. first thing I said, you know, I, I called them up and said, hey, how, what, can we, you know can I work with you guys? I, and they're like, yeah, we'd love to work with you. And I was like, well, can I um, design my own guitar? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, of course. I was like, really? Okay. So I can draw like a shape and you'll make it and we'll sell it. And they're like, yeah, well, they're like, first we were going to make the, um, they're going to make the eclipse model first and just put my name on it. And I mean, I helped design that too. I mean, I didn't, the body shape was already there, but I designed right. the uh, lace pickups and the color scheme the weight and you know because some small configurations but it, it did really really well and i used the guitar on a few tours and it, and it was a great playing guitar even the ltd i was like man this is a great playing guitar and they said cool let's design what you want and what i did was i wanted something that wasn't so damn pointy i mean i love Ex explorers about as pointy as i can get but those super death metal pointy guitars i'm not really into them so right you know, I, I had an RD and I had, a, you know, I had a Firebird and I just started that, drawing. I just started drawing. Yeah, that's like, like a, a, a 
reverse fire, or I think that's actually the non-reverse firebird shape, sort of. Sort of. If you yeah, like. I mean, I have a. I have yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. I love that shape. Seeds. That's it, yeah. I see. It's it's based yeah, beautiful on beautiful looking guitars. Yeah, it's 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 really it's like a, a firebird style, um, kind of upside down of what the current firebirds are like, and it's just awesome. But. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it, somebody was saying, you know, of course, when I first, they first came out, people were like, oh, that's just a non-reverse Firebird. I'm like, no, it's not. Look at one right. next to this. And yeah, it's so kind of like it's an different, RD. Right. It's almost like an RD because RD has the, this, you know, this part here. and. Oh, yeah. You know what? Let me grab my ID one real quick. <clears throat> my, my favorite shapes of guitar. Yeah, it's Let me get my earphones like, back in. So I am sorry that I said it kind of reminded me of a reverse firebird, but you're you're or a non-reverse firebird, but you're right. It is kind of like an RD. It's style like a reverse as well. RD. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's almost, that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, so it's like this. Yeah, very cool. And and also like uh, one of my favorite guitar shapes was like a Jagstang, like Kurt Cobain played, you know, except right. bigger. His, the guitar was so th those guitars are really small and I, I needed something bigger so I, I kind of incorporated that in there as well so it's kind of a mixture of all that stuff you know I, it's a great I shape with... and and I, I love the uh, block inlays and uh, and I love that uh, there there are LTD versions and ESP versions so you know for for all of your younger fans who might not have enough money to buy the ESP version they can get the LTD. And the LTD version is just as good. I mean, it just the the uh, the ESP obviously is made in Japan and it has a lot more expensive uh, parts on it. But when I first when we were first recording Emperor of Sand, um, I think that was 2016. There was they had just made an LTD and they mailed it to me. And I used that on the entire record on like every song. And I was like, this guitar wow. sounds so great, plays great. And it's just an LTD. But I, when I got the ESP version, I can't tell the difference unless I, unless I read the headstock, you know? Right, that is, that is amazing. And I know that that company is, a, you know, always produces top of the line stuff. And, and uh, Bruce Kulik, um, uh, currently with Grand Funk Railroad, formerly a Kiss, he, he often plays his LT, like he has ESP versions and LTD versions of his guitars, and he he likes playing the LTD versions as well. Yeah, they're they're about the same, you know. Um, but they've always been so good to me and nice to me, and everybody there, they you know I call them, they answer, I ask them for a guitar, they send it. Uh, they're just really easy to work with, and and they're they're kind of have that kind of like small small business kind of um, relationship, you know. I love it. Right I love it. Now, uh, go ahead, Mark. No, no, no you go ahead, John. I, I was going to say, um, now, do, do you guys have, has there been any talk at all about touring? And, and, and the normal answer to that is there's been talk, but we don't know anything. In like, you know, because no one, they even... Bands that I work with, agents, and and nobody knows when when things are going to happen. I we just kind of had a, a, a small uh, talk about that, like a conference call with management, and I think there are some festivals and shows at the end of the year in the U.S. that are still going on, 
and like Reading nice. and Leeds apparently is still happening in uh, in the UK, which is summertime. I think it's July. At the moment, nice. it's it's still on. Um, you know, like download canceled uh, Rock and Ring, like the German festivals. They all they kind of like dominoes. You know, they just psh, psh, the next one uh, we're we're all gonna collapse. You know, I don't know how we're gonna recover from this either. It's it's uh, I'm just dying to get out there and play again and, and travel. I mean, I I miss traveling the most. Wow. I, mean, I love I love hitting heavy chords and riffs through my amps on stage in front of people and the wind blowing my hair is great. But uh, the traveling, you know, seeing old friends and just moving, moving around, you know? Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I know. We believe me. We all, I think Mark and I feel the same way and we just can't wait to get back out there, make more music, play it live and go see bands and go see friends of ours as well. Uh, like you guys. And uh you know, if there are any festivals, uh, we'll keep an eye out on the Macedon website and, uh, you know, make sure that we're aware of them. We'll, we'll let all of our viewers and listeners know and we'll come out and see you when when, you know, we finally get back out there again. I can't wait. Bill, thank you for, for your time me. tonight. Yeah, we really appreciate your time and stay safe. And yeah, hopefully Macedon back out on the, the road, maybe this fall. Fingers crossed. And we are so excited for your I believe ninth studio album. Yeah. Well, looking forward maybe, to it. like I said, maybe towards the end of the year, but uh, there'll be some singles coming out, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, it's all, it's all Great good stuff. stuff. I, I, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is uh, starting to shine a little bit. So let's right. all hope for the, hope for the best, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank your wife again as well. Oh, and one more thing. I hope that you still have uh, this pet, but um, I hope that something didn't happen to him. But uh, you're not going to believe this. My childhood nickname that my parents still call me till this day, and I'm 51 years old, is Moose, which is the name of – is Moose still alive? Moose is still alive. He's doing great. He sleeps with me every night. He's I, on, I have him on my – He's on my guitar picks. I'm trying to find one to show you. Yeah. We have Moose playing cards. That's your nickname, huh? Yeah, absolutely. No, none of my rock friends know that. Like, but my any uh, any of my relatives and my parents uh, still refer to me as Moose. So wow. now, now I guess is they there, do. Is there a is there a story behind that? No, my yeah. grandfather. He used to go to the Moose Lodge, but. But it, it, I don't believe I was named after that. I, the story that I heard was somebody said he looks like something, and then he goes, "I think he looks like a moose." And I thought that was the story. I don't know. So he, my my mom's father, my grandfather Joseph uh, V. Mash, he uh, named me Moose. Ah, the, oh, there we go. I love it. That's awesome. Moose pick. The How moose is, is loose. Is I moose. love that. That is so cool. <laughs> I love it. What, what a great, uh, what a great way to end the night. That that is awesome. And thank you for showing that to us. And and tell Moose that Talking Metal says hello. Yeah, Bill, how old is Moose? Uh, he's. I rescued him. I was on a jog. I was on tour. Had a day off in uh, Amarillo, Texas, and he was running through traffic. And I just scooped him up and I brought him on the tour bus. And, and believe me, I, I called the I called the uh, Humane Society. They scanned him. We put out pictures of him all over the lost pets of Amarillo, Texas, Facebook page. Nobody claimed him. And they told me that it, 
they told me that if no one they were going to take him and put him in the shelter and no one claimed him in a week they're going to destroy him <clears throat> oh wow ah. i was like hell no he's i'm gonna sneak him on the bus because our bus driver didn't want dogs you know we don't have dogs over there, so <laughs> snuck him on the bus put him in my bunk and he he's been with me ever since he sleeps under the covers at my feet like every single night he's probably i thought he was like a little he's only he's really small so i thought he was a uh a puppy but when the when the uh dog the vet looked at his teeth they said oh he's uh he's about four or five years old so i think he's probably getting up there eight or nine now okay but nice he's a little brindle chihuahua he's the best oh awesome. that is awesome well, you're the Mark, best Mark Bill. thank said, you for joining hey. us and yeah, thank, and thanks for you, thinking of me, guys, and uh, I hope to see yeah, you in live you. in person soon. I hope Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Okay, Bill, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll keep in touch. All right, dudes. Later on. Take care. All right, John. Well, we do have to wrap it up. That's We're a little awesome. bit over our, our time here, but um, always great hanging with you, John, and we want to encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to stay subscribed to this YouTube channel, youtube.com slash talking metal and a lot of great content going up on the youtube channel did you see the video i posted about carmine a piece's hair yes i i did watch that one yeah and it's you were like i'm right here with the guy it's his real hair <laughs> now here's the thing i remembered going up to his hair and actually like going through it with my fingers oh. but the, the the guy who edited it for us jay bones you know jay bones he's like right. that, that footage isn't there and i was like are you sure and so i it must have been the camera must have been off, but I swear to God, I went up to Carmine Apisa's hair and I was going. And so you like put this. your hands in his hair. Okay, yeah, so it's you absolutely it, it's, video. it's like, yeah, it's super thick and it is grow coming out of his scalp. So everyone on Blabbermouth and I've already deleted a number of comments on Carmine videos I've posted in the past saying he needs to get rid of that crazy thing on his head. That's his actual hair. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's that dyed, is but that is his actual hair. Right. And, and you believe me, he, he he doesn't care. I mean, he always had purple or different color dye yeah. in his hair. That was that's his thing. But so that is amazing, man. I wish that I had that hair. What, what's my hair look like tonight? Oh, that's what it looks like. <laughs> wow. Yeah. My hair, Listen to this. I dyed my hair supposed to be black. But the problem is, is that the uh, top of the hair uh, turned gray. And then when I put this like sapphire black on my head, the top of my hair is blue, so I'm wearing a hat for oh. a while because it it's I swear to God, it dyed it blue. So the rest of my hair is black. The new hair is blue. Huh. And it's not right. cool blue. Yeah, like mine, down Mine's here. coming in kind of gray. I don't know if you can see it there, but uh, it's, it's yeah, I well, okay. Mark, anyway. you got the best hair in rock. I, I, in talking oh, metal. Well, sure. thanks. But uh, I, I think it's great. I um, uh, on the other hand, uh, used to have really nice curly blonde hair. Uh, however, that is no longer the case, and uh, this is what I got. But uh, I don't mind. I mean, some people, 51 years old, they look like, uh, you know, my grandfather. Or, you know, not that he looked bad, but they, they look like somebody's right. grandfather, you know? Right, I hear you. So we have, we have, believe uh, me, we, when we, we were young, 50-year-olds didn't look like we do, right? Yeah, Mick Jagger looked pretty good at 50. You know, He, he did, but he's a rock star. Guys. But, like, you know, like yeah. the, the guy down the street who was 50, he looked like a, I don't know. Trying to think. So yeah, some of these Hollywood guys. I mean, yeah, they look they look good. But yeah, the guy down the street. Yeah, um, who knows? But anyways, we got to wrap it. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Snake, uh, Michael Sweet. Wow, it was this was a, a 
intense night. A lot really? of great interviews. And and Bill from Mastodon, great stuff. So much fun. Um, great guitar talk between you and Bill. I always like just kind of kicking back and listening to you. Yeah, he has some cool stuff. And that silver burst, you know, signature model is really nice. And, uh, and I do see now how he was saying that it's not just a... Uh, you know, the, the Firebird that we all think is really a reverse Firebird. So the regular Firebird, which looks to us upside down, that's called a non-reverse Firebird. And so his guitar is a cr cross between a non-reverse Firebird and a reverse RD, which is this, which stands for Research and Development. And this is basically the Ghost guitar. Oh, okay. You know, the band Ghost. But now they have yep. theirs made by, by another company that does like a take on these. But... Uh, uh, the you. original ghost Ooh. guitars were RDs. All right, my friend, we will reconvene in a month or so, right? Do another one of these. Absolutely. I think it's good. We had a great show tonight. Yeah, three amazing guests. Thank you to Bill Kelleher. Thank you to Michael Sweet. And thank you to Snake Sabo. Do not call him Dave or else he thinks that he's in trouble. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, All right. there we go. I have to show and off my, my watch band. SDN Broadcast, yeah. we love you and we appreciate everything you're doing. And I am on a new computer today, guys, which is why that there's not some kind of five-second latency thing that screws me all up like it did on the last episode. So today I, I right feel up. like I'm in sync with everybody. In sync with everyone. There you go. Thank you, John. Talk to you next okay, time. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everybody. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.